the South is a place of conflict and um, struggle and duality and, and difficulty. And that has caused a lot of people who might otherwise have been able to stay silent or not be so passionate about their beliefs to have to speak up and speak up more loudly. And I think, you know, when people say you should keep, uh, they call it politics, I don't call it politics, but when they say you should keep those things out of music, I think they're ignoring what makes for the best music in the first place. And to me, that conflict between people who are unwilling to to progress and people who are demanding progress makes for really good art in general. Do you think God still sees me coming out of this twilight sleep? I'm not sure who I am staring into my empty And all I could think to say Was everything's gonna be okay It's gonna be alright I'm on your side I'm on your side And that'll be surprising probably for a lot of people to hear um, and this is also the first time I've talked about it, so forgive me if, if, if I'm not good at it yet. But I've been trying to um, put this song out since 2016, but the timing hasn't been right. And, you know, there's a little bit of fear going going in, into releasing a song like that. Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires are amongst the most celebrated couples in music, and their star continues to rise. Theirs is a story that brings to mind iconic husband and wife teams like Johnny and June, and they can boast an ever-growing legion of fans and critical acclaim. The past year or so has proved to be one of their most successful in terms of their music, while it has also been a span with times of great difficulty, both with their art and their relationship. Jason and Amanda spoke with me in separate interviews from their home, covering everything from Jason's subconscious character portrait of a departed friend in the song Only Children, to Amanda's account of common misconceptions about their lives as artists, and much more. And of course, you will get to hear music from Jason Isbell in the 400 Units' latest album Reunions, and Amanda's latest single along the way. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. Stick around for our episode on Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW, at WNCW.org.
In 2020, husband and wife Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires released music that was some of the most difficult to make in their careers. Being in the studio for Jason Isbell and the 400 Units album Reunions was described by Amanda as, quote, the worst recording experience I've ever been a part of, end quote. Although the end result was that Shires counts Reunions as her favorite of Isbell's albums. Isbell was feeling the weight of his own musical legacy leading up to and during the studio sessions, and the pressure to measure up to his previous work put a strain on his relationship with Amanda, as well as the ever-challenging process of making an album. And more recently, Amanda released a song titled The Problem, which we sampled in the show intro, and which you heard Amanda speak about. It deals with abortion and points to her own experience in the form of duet with Jason. So even before and outside of all the turmoil with the pandemic and everything else going on in a year chock full of bad news, Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires were dealing with a lot of really heavy issues. But they have emerged intact and have made the best of their largely isolated family life at home in the countryside. Amanda's ISO lounging series of videos are filmed in their barn-turned-recording studio, which is where she recorded the problem after learning how to be her own audio engineer. Jason and Amanda also recently recorded their cover of the Gillian Welch song, Wrecking Ball, and spend plenty of time with their daughter, Mercy Rose, who just turned five years old. There's plenty of joy in their lives, as you can tell in the more lighthearted parts of our conversations. Like when I asked Amanda what question no one asks her, which she wished they would. Oh yeah, how's your chickens? (laughs) I've got chickens. You do? Yeah. That's, how many do you have? Oh, uh, only eight now, and they're getting on in years, and my boys, they named them all, and so they can't retire in the usual way that chickens retire, mm-hmm. and then they uh-huh. stop laying eggs. What are your chickens like? We have nine, um, but, you know, they do dwindle because they're predators But um, out here, but um, they very much are family members, and... Um, and it's 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 a hilarious um, thing to watch chickens and their personalities and I don't know we had to get this one Mercy's favorite one is named Pants and um, we had to get it a saddle because um, we got a rooster. <laughs> so Mercy named it Pants. Yes, because she looks like she's wearing she's like a, a little golden chicken and her legs are kind of white and when she runs up to you it looks like she's got on these big kind of balloon pants. And yesterday we got a lot of enjoyment out of the jetpack guy. Did you see that? I did not. Tell us. There was a guy in L.A. who was had a jetpack, and he was 3,000 feet up. And two different pilots spotted him as they were landing into LAX yesterday and radioed in to warn the other pilots. But nobody's figured out what was going on. This guy was just 3,000 feet up in the air with a jetpack, and there were planes passing, just a man in the sky. That was really interesting to me. Um, that's, a re- that's a weird story there. I- that's a weird story. It happened, and I don't know how it's going to pan out. Nobody knows uh, what what he was doing. You know that they, they you can you can go on like the L.A. Times and and read about the the communication between the pilots and and control, and and they're saying you know we just passed a man in a jetpack, and you hear somebody on the other end go only in L.A. And, you know, it's 3,000 feet. That's a long way up. Um, but no, and honestly, I've been, I've been really slow in my, in my 
uh, reading habits. I've been watching a lot of like documentaries and um, I really liked the Fuqua Muhammad Ali documentary that was on HBO and, and uh, um, I watched that show dark, that German German series about time travel. But I have, I have a problem with the concept of time travel because I feel like the past doesn't exist uh, at all. I think the past is just a figment of our imagination because I think your brain immediately changes memories so quickly that really the past is just your concept of the past. And then when it comes to time traveling into the future, I have a problem with that because I think you would need to know about construction or development or like tree growth. Like what if you traveled into the future and there was a tree there where, where you were, were going to land. So all of a sudden you just disintegrated because you, you know, you showed up where there's now a tree or a building or something. Um, so yeah, I've been thinking about time travel. That's neat. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I have a little more time on my hands lately yeah. than I used to. Same dream I have about twice a week I had one glass of wine I woke up feeling fine And that's how I knew it was a dream Last night I dreamed that I'd been drinking Cold burn whiskey down my throat You're listening to It Gets Easier by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, another song from Reunions. This seems to be the song with the sunniest disposition of the 10 on the album, even though it is about being a recovering alcoholic, something that Jason has spoken about often. Themes like personal struggle, disappointment, regret, unrealized dreams are found throughout Jason's work. Cheerful moments are hard to come by. A quick read of Amanda Shire's song lyrics on her 2018 album To the Sunset brings up parallel themes. A graphic depiction of suicide and wasn't I paying attention. Of the end of the world and the end of relationships in Break Out the Champagne. And of courage in the midst of overwhelming adversity in Take on the Dark, for example. The difference between Jason and Amanda on record and both of them in our conversations and other areas of their life is notable. The Amanda Shires talking about their chicken named Pants and Jason Isbell talking about jetpacks and time travel haven't shown up on their records that I can tell. They can both be really funny, which is easy to miss unless you pay attention long enough. In the same way that it is disappointing to learn that one of your favorite comedic actors is a jerk in real life, it is heartening to learn that two of your favorite, lyrically gritty songwriters don't take themselves seriously all the time. The work of writing songs and lyrics that stand the test of time is hard work, though, and is something that both Jason and Amanda take quite seriously. Ask Jason about his lyrics and reunions, and whether he had anyone come back to him with insights about them that he had not thought of. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, the the most glaring and most obvious there is 
just the idea of reunions, the album title, you know, uh, I certainly didn't know how much we would be longing for a reunion when the record came out, you know, by the time we actually go out and tour, it's going to be the perfect name for a, for a tour because it'll be everybody getting back in the same room again for the first time in forever. Um, but yeah, like the only children, uh, you know, I didn't really, really know who I was writing about specifically uh, when I started that song. We were in Greece on vacation, uh, me and my wife and a couple of our friends, and and um, on Hydra, the island where Leonard Cohen lived and where he did the majority of his early songwriting. And, and um, I started working on that song one night because we were all sitting around in a circle. Uh, our friends are writers, and we were reading our work to each other. And it occurred to me that it had been a long time since I did that. And when you're, when you're learning to write songs, you know, you wind up in, in a lot of situations where you're just sitting in a circle with your friends and everybody's playing their new songs uh, for each other. And I'd had that conversation last year with, uh, with um, Tillman, Father John Misty, when we were on tour together, you know, he was talking about how, there used to be sort of these scenes and groups of songwriters who would feed off of each other and compete, try to one up each other. And, and when you get to the level where you're recording and touring and playing professionally, it doesn't happen that often, you know, because for a lot of reasons, people don't have the time. And also I think people are scared to just sit around and play new songs if they have the pressure of their reputation preceding them. Um, so I, I started writing Only Children sort of as a love song to that time when when we would all sit around and share music and, and whatever we were writing, whatever we were working on. But when my band heard it, Chad and Jimbo, uh, Rhythm Section, who we all grew up together in Alabama, recognized a very specific person in that song and, and said, uh, did you write this about her? You know, a friend of ours who had passed away a few years ago. And it occurred to me that I had, you know, and I didn't know it when I was writing the song. It wasn't intentional. And when they brought that up, I was like, oh, that's exactly who I was writing about. And, and it never crossed my mind until they said that. So that was, that was a pretty nice thing. Mm. I saw somebody post online about that song when they came to the line, do the dead believe in ghosts that they broke down and had to pull the car over and stop. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one, sometimes you get those where you're like, you know, you work so hard to get the right words and to get them to fit in the space and rhyme and sing right. And, and then when it happens, it's almost like you, you don't know if it's that good or not. That was one of those lines where I wrote it down and I was like, Oh, that's beautiful. And then I stopped and thought, wait a minute, that could be also, that could be nonsense, you know, cause there's such a fine line between a really poetic, uh, um, group of words and then a group of words that just don't mean anything at all. But, but that one turned out to be the right thing. Castle walls that you can walk through And 
do the dead believe in ghosts? Or are you lost in some old building with over encouraged only children? like a lot of the sonic touches on reunions and especially around the margins little mm. touches it sounds like is that a vibraphone at the end of dreamsicle it is i think a i think that is a celeste i think is what we used on that um uh that was it, it wasn't a, a real vibraphone so it was either like a mellotron version of a vibraphone or it was a celeste but it's uh dairy their keyboard player uh you know he's just obsessed with like old synthesizers and different different constructions of old keyboards and it's the cool thing about old keyboards is they're almost always a mistake like the the ultimate you know good mistake was the Wurlitzer piano because it sounds nothing like an acoustic piano but the sound that it makes is immediately recognizable and usable uh, in any style of music across the board and and he really gets into that you know what what did they accidentally screw up and do when they were trying to make something sound like a, a marimba or a vibraphone so that was Derry's idea. That was his concept for that outro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How did David Crosby get involved? Well, when you know we met Crosby uh, a few years ago at the Newport Folk Festival, we were we were one of the headliners that year, and they wanted me to bring in a special guest. And I thought, man, David would be great because he he sort of exemplifies the spirit of the festival and, and has been making folk music very successfully for a long time. And, uh, so we asked him if he would come do it and, and he did. And I think he was excited to come to the festival and he was probably a little bit skeptical about getting up and playing some of his old songs with a band that he'd never played with before. Um, but you know, David's the kind of person who, if he doesn't like what you're doing, you'll find it out pretty immediately. He 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 will tell you if if he thinks your band sucks, he will say, "I think your band sucks." And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's not yeah, going to mince so, words. What are some common misconceptions that people might have about your life, or maybe artists that you know? Misconceptions. Um, that it's easy to write a song. I, because every time I get done writing one and the, and I have to face the page again, I'm like, how did I ever write a song? It is like very difficult and it feels sometimes like going to the dentist or, or visiting a therapist. Um, another misconception, uh, that we're night owls, um, on purpose, but it's not really that it's, um, you know, the, the nighttime schedule is, is the time when people go out. So we'll, you know, do our shows later and then sleep later, but it's not because uh, that we're lazy or we don't like mornings. I think uh, some sort of parallel misconceptions about music artists and about people in the business, in radio, what have you, like us over here on our side of it, is that 
it's always awesome. You're always having fun. And it must be the absolute best all the time. I mean, it, it, in hindsight, uh, I don't think, you know, after, after, the, after we can return to somewhat normal, I don't think I'll ever complain about, you know, any kind of flight delays or having to sleep in an airport again, that's for sure. Because while those things are really not glamorous or even getting your instrument broken on a, on a you know, in transit or something, I'll, I don't think I'll ever complain again in my life. I've never been home so much in my life. So it's showing me new appreciations and um, especially for the uh, not glamorous part for sure. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I can't even at, at this point in all of this um, really complain about my job that I used to have because um, once it starts again, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember, you know, flight delays. I love them. You know, send me to send me wherever you want. I'll go sleep on the floor just to play music. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind getting hassled at the Canadian border. Let me go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your musical direction of late. You've got another song that is really new called Deciphering Dreams and also thinking about your latest record, To the Sunset. It seems to my ears to be leaning a bit more in a pop direction. Is Would you say that's true or would that be conscious if it is true? I mean, you, you know, um, I feel like some songs um, are served... served um, better or maybe they're not maybe it's just the, what I what I think I want to hear at the moment I can't decide if it's selfishness or serving the song ishness but um you know I, I play um you know roots instruments but I like to try and take them into um, modern directions and um, part of that I think is because I'm interested in making different sounds and also I think I'm interested in in the fact that uh we could keep young folks engaged in playing musical instruments if, if some of those things were more okay and um, accepted. And um, But for me, mostly it's about serving the song, and a lot of times I just like to have fun, and I try not to think about like the direction too much.
let's take it back to your roots in Texas and talk about some of the similarities and differences in music and culture from where you grew up and from where Jason grew up in Alabama. You, a lot of people think of the South as kind of homogenous or just one entity, but I would say that there is a bit of a divide between what's going on in Texas versus a lot of other places. Definitely. Um, you know, there, there's a big history where, you know, people think of Texas as the, as the South, but it, it's, it's more of its own, you know, it is in the South, but it's a whole different ball game. Um, but I think that there are similarities in, in where I grew up and where Jason grew up because they're both towns that were, you know, small and, um, rural for the most part. And, yeah, but I think in the South of like traditional South, there was a there's a lot of I've thought about this some. There's a lot of what what we call old money, and um, Texas. There's you know a lot of people went out in search of making new money. You know a lot of things like that. There's differences in in and even like uh, sayings like they say bless your heart a lot more in the South than they do in Texas, where we say y'all every other second. And fixing too. <laughs> yeah, you know, you grew up as basically as a cowgirl in more ways than one. So that is pretty far removed from kudzu vines and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. lazy rivers or what have you. My mom was a barrel racer sometimes, like when she wasn't doing you know work. She was she was getting on a horse, riding around a barrel. I still don't know what what it all is about, but it looks really hard and dangerous. So, uh, do you still ride horses? Um, I don't very often because uh, um, I'm afraid to um, bust up any of my appendages. But um, sometimes my mom will take me on a trail ride and make me wear a helmet. (laughs) Why do you think so much great music has come from the South and maybe more specifically your corner of the South? I think the humidity has something to do with it. I have a... uh, 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 a theory that the best instrumentalists, um, for the most part, with the exception of of piano and brass instruments, the best players of of instruments that expand and contract, and and the best singers, come from mostly low lying, humid areas. Um, because I think the humidity is is historically better for the instruments and better for the human voice. That is a theory that I don't really share with anybody. I just on my own, I think that is the truth. But outside of that, you know, uh, the South is a place of conflict and um, struggle and duality and, and difficulty. And that has caused a lot of people uh, who might otherwise have been able to stay silent or not be so passionate about their beliefs to have to speak up and speak up more loudly. And I think, you know, when people say you should keep uh, they call it politics. I don't call it politics. But when they say you should keep those things out of music, I think they're ignoring what makes for the best music in the first place. And to me, that conflict between people who are unwilling to, to progress and people who are demanding progress makes for really good art in general. And, you know, I grew up listening to music that was recorded in Muscle Shoals, uh, you know, which was just like a half an hour from where I lived as a kid. 
Um, and a lot of that music was, you know, the staple singers and Aretha Franklin and Otis Redding and Percy Sledge and people who were uh, singing for their life, you know, and, and for their family's life and singing to be treated like human people. And, um, you know, while that's not my personal struggle, the music that influenced me the most was, was music that came out of that. So, you know, everything I say, I'm going to say it as passionately as possible uh, because it, at some level I'm imitating those people whose music I fell in love with when I was a kid. I would also throw in that I think some of those traditions have a bearing on what comes out musically, what the output is like the family tradition, like you grew up in where people got together and played for socializing for entertainment. For sure. And, and for all kinds of things. Yeah. For, for, for release and for childcare and for, you know, I, I didn't realize when I was a kid that my grandparents, you know, taught me to play music for for a lot of reasons but one reason was so i wouldn't break anything you know it's it's a great way to teach a small child how to keep themselves occupied and and play by themselves and be creative and take care of a, a material object and and learn the value of things and you know there's a lot of lessons in learning to play the guitar you have to learn how much a string costs how much a pack of string costs how to put them on a guitar and and how to keep it in tune and and how to maintain the instrument and then you have to spend the hours that it takes to learn how to manipulate the instrument and once you get to that point then you have to learn how to get your own voice to come out of it and all those are really really great lessons for a kid um and it, yeah, in the in the part of the country where I grew up, you know, families were connected in a lot of ways. You know, similar to how large immigrant families are connected. Like we all either depended on each other, or we were just one generation away from a family that depended on each other for their survival. So, uh, you know, we were we were forced to coexist, and that doesn't necessarily happen in a in an urban environment. Relatively easy 
lost a good friend Christmas time when folks go off the deep end His woman took the kids, he took on a pen Enough to kill a man of twice his size Not for me to understand Remember him when he was still a proud man A vandal smile, baseball in his right hand And nothing but the blue sky in his eyes Still compared to those of stones Take a year and make a break There ain't that much at stake The answers could be relatively easy Wrapping up our episode is a live performance of Relatively Easy from the last time we had Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires visit WNCW. This was in January 2014, six months before it appeared on Jason's album Southeastern, which gained widespread acclaim and brought home a lot of hardware for Jason and Amanda. Artist of the Year, Album of the Year, and Song of the Year at the Americana Awards just a few months later. In a way, Jason and Amanda have come full circle in the time since. They find themselves today once again in a simpler situation than in the years between. 
credit the coronavirus pandemic for that. But even so, those intervening six years can now be seen as a distinct chapter in their lives. Back when this song was playing live on the radio, they didn't have their daughter, Mercy Rose. There were yet no Grammy Awards. And this year, when these interviews were recorded, Jason and Amanda's lives had retreated from the stage to their home and their family life. Before, they didn't carry the weight of the level of stardom that they have since achieved. Now, the pressure to maintain their status at the top of the musical food chain is relieved by current circumstances, which include having just released what will surely be more award-winning work. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Southern Songs and Stories, and I hope you might tell a friend about the podcast. You can subscribe to the series on your podcast platform of choice, and it helps even more when you give it a good rating and a review. Great ratings and reviews especially will make Southern Songs and Stories and the artists it profiles more visible to more people just like you. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio, WNCW, and Osiris Media, with all of the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Sean Rubin for engineering my call with Jason Isbell and for remixing Relatively Easy, and to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW. Our theme songs are by Joshua Ming. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Tell us a little bit about your painting. I love seeing some of those in your iso-lounging series. Do you have a market for that? Is that just for your own enjoyment? Really, I think it's just a way to to think about something different than what's going on. And, you know, rather than going down the rabbit hole or getting getting lost in in um, the, the state of the world right now, I think it's a really good way to um, focus heavily on something you know, I don't know, for me, it's just relaxing and and it's a a way to observe the world more, um, I guess, uh, tightly or something. Like, it's a way to look at what's around you more than, it just seems less noisy painting, you know, than all the the news and the, I mean, I, I do read and watch the news and all that stuff, but it's good to get out of your head a little bit, and it's kind of like you can build your own universe in there, on the on the canvas, I guess, or on the page. What's a day in the life of Jason Isbell these days? They're all the same. Every day is exactly the same these days, um, which is strange, but uh, but it's all right. I, you know, I can handle it. It. I, I get up and and drink coffee, and uh, uh, usually I play the guitar for a couple of hours and uh then i get some exercise and then we have dinner and hang out with the baby and and then either my wife puts her to sleep or i do and uh yeah so it's very much like semi-retired 
<laughs> you know, I feel like a I feel like a, a lawyer who who did well enough to buy a bunch of nice guitars, and now I'm retired from my legal practice. <laughs> <laughs>